Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Kurt Schilling Baseball Show, episode 45. I may look a little wet because it's raining out, but uh, my spirits are not dampened from the trading deadline. It was, uh, I think when you look at what it was going to be to what it was, people might use the term underwhelming, um, but the two most expensive pitchers in baseball got traded. Uh, the Mets unloaded a, from a billion-dollar payroll. And then you've got a slew of players coming back. Trout with the Angels. I know Bueller with the Dodgers, although we'll talk more on that in a little bit because I think that would be a grave mistake. But the Angels kept Otani. They added uh, C.J. Cron and Randall Gritchick, two guys who were originally Angels when they were drafted, which I think is funny. Uh, and they got uh, both men help with Dominic Leon. I don't know how impactful that's going to be unless getting Mike Trout back is going to be huge. Uh, only because, not because of anything they didn't do, but the fact is the Astros and Rangers both added, quote-unquote, studs uh, in Verlander and uh, Scherzer. The Astros also added Kendall Graveman, and the Rangers added Jordan Montgomery and Chris Statton. So those two, uh, I'm expecting those two to, to to grind it out against each other because I think the window in Houston, uh, well, it depends, but it's closing. Altuve, I think, has one more year uh, left. The Mariners dumped uh, their closer on the Diamondbacks, who had a one of the most horrific months in baseball history from a bullpen perspective. But I, I figure we just bounce around some of the divisions. Uh, the AL West, you could argue, uh, even though I think I think as of today, the AL East still has everybody over 500. The AL West might end up being uh, the the biggest, uh, most uh, competitive to down to the wire. Uh, in the East, the Rays added uh, a starter that they needed in in Adam Savale and then uh, Jack Flaherty for the O's. The O's were my dark horse for Shohei. And the Yankees and Red Sox did nothing. And I, I, I'm I not sure I have a problem with that. I don't think either team is, is – I mean, the, the Yankees, if they were suddenly healthy, could scare you in October. But I just think that their, uh, their underperformance uh, has made New York a really tough place this year. Uh, them and the Mets uh, can't be fun to be a New York fan this year. Did anybody do anything that you said, you know – you got to watch out for them now. I mean, they're they're um, the ones to beat. I got to tell you, I, I a, a couple teams kind of snuck up on me. Um, the Giants are better than people thought. They're right there. Um, I expected them to it could, because if you remember the deadline, <clears throat> well, for me over the last fifteen years, the Cubs and the Giants always kind of sneak in. Jed Hoyer is is a, is a, a Theo Epstein disciple in a sense. Uh, I think he's a tremendous. Uh, general manager uh, with with an idea and a plan. I was a little surprised that the Padres went out and did stuff, but I think that's in recognition of the talent they have because the Padres could run off 18 out of 20 and no one would be shocked. Nothing, but nothing stood out to me as an, oh my gosh. I mean, I talked about the fact that you can find out about a guy's postseason mentality right now. If you trade for a guy like Scherzer, uh, like Scherzer did in LA a couple of years ago when he went seven and zero with a one something, um, Verlander did after the deal originally to Houston. You can find out what you want about postseason mentalities from guys in, in August and September, the guys that get dealt from last to first. One of the ones that kind of shocked me, and, and I've always – I tread lightly when I say this. I always want players on my team that want to win championships. And when you're in last place and you're on a horrific team and there's a trade at the deadline and you get sent to a first-place team and you veto that trade, if I'm a general manager on another team, I want no nothing to do with you. Because to me, if winning isn't the ultimate, and I understand, I know, I've been traded in at times, I understand there's a family component to this um, and all the things that go with that. But you can't convince me that Eduardo Rodriguez uh, is in love with Detroit to the point where he didn't want to move his family. 
because because I you know right. saying Detroit's a great place to raise a family is nowadays said no one ever and I was a little shocked by that again he I'm sure he has his own reasons but ultimately when I'm putting a team together I want guys who will bleed to win a championship uh, and sacrifice to win a championship and give everything they have to win a championship and that was a chance to go from worst to first and he turned it down and he said it wasn't because of the Dodgers he said it was because of personal and again. I, I, this is the outside looking in there. There are, there are, I know there are a multitude of reasons when, and things you have to consider when you're, when you're being dealt, you know, family, where you're living, what you're, you know, all the things go, but these guys from a monetary perspective, they don't have any cash problems, like an extra mortgage or their right. house payments, you know, th- those are not concerns and issues. So kind of suck it up for, you know, three, four well, months. Again, it gets back to what are you playing the game for? Yeah. Play the game to win a ring. I, I thought, and when a guy, you know, and, and I listen, I hall first ballot Hall of Famer, but one of the things I always wondered about Tony Gwynn was why he never took the opportunity to go somewhere else and win. You know, he took, and and, and you know, one of one of the ten greatest hitters that ever lived and a phenomenal human being. But I always wondered that about him. If the comfort of San Diego, because San Diego is a comfortable place to play. They're a California crowd. The weather's phenomenal. Um, and they had some years where they competed and all the thing. They got to the postseason, the World Series, and whatnot. But I was wondering why he didn't take more of an opportunity to move and get onto a winner. And and I always look at again. I always look at guys like that and wonder because you know. And this goes back to that personal thing. Everybody's different. You know, some guys don't want the pressure of a pennant race. You know, some guys look at at hey, if I get traded here, I, I'm already having a great year. Well, Rodriguez is a great example. And again, this is me speculating. In his mind, he's already having a phenomenal year. He's up. He's due for a big payday, right? He's got a chance to opt out. He's going to get big money in the market. He goes to L.A. and craps the bed during a, a pennant race. There's nothing to gain for him. Or I look at it the other way. I go to L.A. and I help pitch them to a World Series. Holy crap. I'm writing a $30, $30 million, $40 million annual average value to my contract. So I just thought that was interesting. And again, I, that's all speculation. I, I don't. I don't know what his thinking was other than I know he came out and said that the Dodgers weren't the problem, that it was personal. So, um, But in that division, the Padres, uh, Rich Hill, hey, right now, as you head down the stretch, your bullpen gets smaller if you're in it, if you're in it, if you're trying to catch up. You can't afford late-inning losses. So I would argue that the, the move from a three- to four-man rotation with an opener, uh, it's much more beneficial if you can go to a five-man rotation and mix and match your bullpen on matchups. And uh, maybe, I, I think maybe that's what we're seeing, you know, because uh, they got Barlow to set up Hader, uh, and Choi and Cooper, they got two more bats. They shouldn't need a bat. <laughs> no, not yeah. that. But the problem is, and it's going to, it's going to, it's going to play out, and it probably has played out already. And go, you know, one of the things we always looked at with Coors Field before the balls got changed was it was never the field. The, the, the dimensions of the stadium were never the problem. It was the size of the outfield that created the issue for pitchers because every ball through the infield was two bases and sometimes three. And so you had to have an outfield of Kenny Lofton's to compete in that park because that's 81 games of your season is in that ballpark. Flip that, San Diego, offensively, juggernaut, right? Right. Not in that ballpark. Nobody's a juggernaut in that ballpark. So what you're doing is you're neutralizing your strength to a degree. And the teams that come in, you're putting them, you know, almost on equal footing. 
which doesn't do anybody any good. That you know, you, I always looked at your home ballpark. For me as a pitcher, I tried to use it as an advantage, and you have to identify what those advantages are and exploit those with your roster. Which park was the biggest advantage for you that you that was? I, I thought I thought Dodger Stadium was one of the easiest, one of my favorites to pitch in because. Right. There were a couple parks, and remember, I was playing during the juice era when guys who shouldn't hit 12 were hitting 30. Right. But I like, obviously, I like the ballparks where I could make a mistake and it wouldn't be a home run. You know, and, and baseball, as it got more offensive, the parks got smaller. And, and you know, the unique dimensions, uh, Camden Yards. And, I mean, my God, I can remember pitching in Wrigley Field feeling like the Ivy was, like, right here. Like, wow. Yeah, no, it's just so small. And and as a pitcher, the the uh, the atmosphere, and I by that I mean when I stood on the mound in in Wrigley Field, when I looked at home plate, I felt like we were sitting pitching in a box. Whereas Dodger Stadium, it looked like the backstop was two and a half miles behind home plate, um, which wasn't comfortable for me, but it worked because I was a fly ball pitcher. So a lot of that had to do with just feel from the mound. Like, and I said, I think I said this back uh, a couple episodes ago, in the old Olympic state, Stade Olympique in Montreal. I hated that place, hated it. And I pitched better there than any park. And, and I think it was because I was so angry because I was in Canada and French people <laughs> were mean. I loved the feel of being on that mound. There was just a comfort to it. And it was funny because they had a restaurant behind on plate with this big plexiglass and people were always back there, but it felt like I was right on top of the hitter. Um, and that was a good club uh, in the nineties in that, but that ballpark was a crap show. Horrible. The Marlins were big movers, which is, I like that. I'm excited because I want to see them get good and get moved. They, they they don't deserve to have the team. And I by that, I mean they, they don't have a market for it. They've proven that. And, and I would like to see uh, Nashville get a team, and I would like to see Nashville get an established team. And I think Florida and Tampa both need to get out of Florida. And I know that sounds, you know, blasphemous, but Florida and Arizona are spring training states. Arizona a little different, but for the most part, they're transient populations. And the state fluctuates population-wise with the seasons. And all the people that, that move to Florida, come down to Florida, come with their own favorite team already. We, that we used to get twice as many Red Sox fans in Tampa that, as we did Tampa fans. And, and in Marlins, the same thing with the Marlins. We had, when I was at the Phillies, we got a ton of Philly fans. But they're not home team baseball markets. I just Florida's a football state. There's an enormous baseball uh, presence to Florida, but not for a big league team, I don't think. Either, at least in either one of those cities. But they made some moves. They got rid of Gene, uh, Gene Segura, which apparently was a uh, uh, that wasn't going well. He was not hitting to begin with. Um, and they uh, added Jake Berger, Josh Bell uh, to first base, who's, who is a change of scenery guy, I think. Um, and then David Robertson at the back end of the bullpen, along with Jorge Lopez. For fun, the other night at uh, at the Marlins Park, they had five dollar hamburgers to comm- commemorate Berger coming aboard. Normally, right. they're fourteen dollars. <laughs> Yeah, that second line that you just said is the one, right? <laughs> there isn't a, the only thing. Yeah, that, that yeah. stuff is just mind-boggling to me. And, you know, like I said, there just isn't. And when Florida was in the World Series, uh, they drew. They never sold out. No. but there's Well, just- I'll give you a perfect example. I saw, I think it was, you were still on the team with the Red Sox, game seven at the Trop, and I bought tickets Three hours before the game for $25. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Which, we were up there, yeah. but I was There's still no there. other market in baseball where that would happen. Yeah. Except Tampa, Florida, 
Yep. Maybe Arizona, although the fans in Arizona were phenomenal in 01. And, you know, given the cost of taking your family to a game, I get it. Yeah. Like, if my team's not winning, I'm not going to. I'm not going to piss away my hard-earned money to go see a mediocre club. Like if I'm a fan in Kansas City, the only way I'm going to games is if they're giving me tickets. Right. Exactly. You know, it's just not it's not fair and it's not fun for for you know for that $14 burger. Right, right. You know. And for some uh, of these clubs, they should be doing that right now. I mean, give well, away 400. Yeah, here's I mean, the other what, piece what too is what and I, we said this in spring training, the teams are going to find a way to make their concession money. They're losing 30 minutes off of game time. Yeah. Just 30 less minutes. So the prices are going to go up yep. and they're going to, you know, they're going to extend beer sales and all the things that go with that, which I think is a nightmare, see a horrible idea, but they're going to make their money. I don't know that the Marlins have moved. It might matter in this, in the, in the bigger picture, uh, maybe in the postseason, the Braves, but the Braves, the Braves are the team to beat. Uh, if I picked right now, I would say Braves Orioles world series. And that might be wishful thinking on the American league side of things. I want to see how Scherzer and Verlander do. Um, if they kind of give their team a jolt. Um, but the Braves, if they stay healthy, and that's going to be a big thing for me, is load management down. I never heard that term until I started following hockey, but load management down the stretch. Having those guys fresh and ready when the postseason goes. When do um, you start pulling those guys a little bit and giving them a rest? You don't do, I, as a manager, I would never do anything until the division was clinched. Okay. Because home field, and, it, and a lot of it depends on home field, right? So it depends on your roster. Like when I was in Arizona in 2001, RJ and I were pitching games one and two. Don't care where we were playing. Right, exactly. Right? And, and if you have that staff, which I would argue Atlanta does, then, yeah, you know what? You, you, you can rest the guy a couple extra days and all the things go with it. But it gets back to knowing your personnel. And, you know, I remember very vividly in 07, I think it was, the, the the Rockies came in and had won 22 of 23 or 24 of 25 coming into the postseason, swept through the postseason and didn't win a game in the World Series. They ran out of gas. I don't know. We were we were pretty damn good. That gets back to knowing your people, knowing your players, knowing, you know, knowing how to turn them up and down uh, and have them primed and ready to go. And, you know, I don't know that any races are over. Uh, so I don't think you're going to have anybody clinching two weeks before the season ends, which I think is the worst possible outcome uh, for a baseball team. Um, but I did want to talk about, and I was looking at uh, a couple articles online because I'm always a guy who looks at uh, a postseason race and and the trading deadline and looks at players that are coming back from injury. Obviously, the big one is Mike Trout in, in Anaheim. And there's you know no arguing that'll be a profound thing. The best player in the game is coming back to your lineup with probably 1A in Otani, uh, and they added some other bats, so they've got that depth. Uh, but there's uh, there's one name uh, that I want to talk about. Walker Bueller's co potentially coming back for the Dodgers, and this is going to be barely 12 months after his second Tommy John. Um, seven years apart, apparently throwing really well. I think this would be a colossal mistake. Colossal mistake. Because... You remember early in the year, Johnny, when we were talking about – you might actually not join the show yet, but I was talking about effort levels and how you you increase effort levels as you go from playing catch to getting on the mound to spring training to batting practice. There's all different effort levels. And the final level is that game, right? the big league game that counts. There's no experience that can replicate the effort level of a postseason. None. And this kid is is was a stud 
uh, in the postseason, a couple of different starts. I think this ends horribly if they bring him back and pitch him in the postseason because that's ramping a guy from zero to 100. And I know he wants to come back, but sometimes you have to protect the player from himself. So I'm going to be very curious. He's in Arizona. And I, you know, I, I talked about this with fantasy guys. When your pitchers leave, when the team leaves spring training and your pitchers are still in Arizona, don't draft them. They're going to play behind all year long. And there's the exception always. Uh, uh, but for the most part, th- I think this would be a horrible move for them to bring him back and have him pitch in the postseason. Because a couple things. Number one, you're, he's going to be on a pitch count, which changes the dynamics of your bullpen and all your other starters in a series. So you're kind of putting yourself behind the eight ball. Well, I don't think they need him. Um, but if it's the Walker Bueller healthy, it, there's so many things coming off of an injury and surgery that go through your mind as you work your way back in May or June. I don't know what that looks like in September. I just know it's a whole lot messier. Yeah. Because you're not working. Oh, yeah, you know, well, let's go out and get a start here, get a couple innings there. No, no, no. No, you're, you're, you're playing for a postseason spot. And Kershaw uh, has been on the, the DL for five weeks with a shoulder injury. I, I don't – that one scares me because of all the things that, that are wrong with him. But I, I hope I hope like hell he's healthy. But Bueller has that postseason resume. He's a stud. He's an animal. He's a beast. He's a game one. He has that because he can elevate his game. He can throw harder, more accurately. His stuff is nastier and sharper, and you demand more of your body when you do that which is all fine and well for the healthy pitcher coming off of September, but that's not what he is. And I, I, I just feel like, uh, I, I don't, John, how old is Walker Bueller? He's around 30, right? I will look it up. Yeah, we'll look it up now. And then when you do, while you're looking that up, uh, the other one is uh, Max Freed, um, who's been out uh, since early May through 79 pitches. The same thing. I, I just think, I don't think you're doing anybody any favors, any good. And again, it's, it's hard to protect players from themselves, but that to me, those two guys seem to me to be potential. He 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 got 13 outs at AAA the other day, uh, fourth and likely final rehab start. And and the problem is I want to see them back because they're power arms, they're September, October, swing and miss arms. And I don't care that he gave up five runs on 11 hits. That, that's meaningless to me. Um, the fact that he came out healthy is the big thing. Um, Bueller just turned 29 years old. Yeah, yeah. So you're looking at potentially another decade of dominance from this guy. Or possibly a third Tommy John. And I don't know that the the resumes of those guys are real good when you're talking about. I just think that it's asking for trouble. I really do. And and but again, you you, you know your players and the medical people. It's not I I I I had a uh run-ins with my team doctor late in my career, good ones, good run-ins. And he he came to me about 10 years after I retired because we're still good friends. And he said, I realized that my job as a team doctor was not to tell you whether you were healthy enough to play or not. It was to tell you whether you were healthy or not, which I always said, yeah, I'll make the decision. You tell me if I'm healthy, and if I'm healthy, I'll make the decision. And I, I like that. Uh, on on the same note, Hunter Green of the Reds is clearly uh, – he threw batting practice. And, again, on July 28th, he threw batting practice. All right, what are we on? August uh, 3rd, 4th? 3rd. What, two weeks ago, he threw batting practice. That's what you do the second week of February when you're getting ready for the season. You throw batting practice, and you're still seven weeks away from opening day. We're talking about seven weeks away from the playoffs. And a Cincinnati team that is that is there on uh, is exciting. I think everybody wants to see them do well. I love the Reds 
going forward in the future. And I think I love the Reds even more with Hunter Green. I don't think either any of those guys. I, I think those end. I don't think those end well if that happens, and that 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 scares me a little bit. Just because again, it's hard to explain the change in temperament and effort, effort level that occurs when you go from the, not just the DL, but the DL in August to the mound. Um, you know, that's why, unless you're a, a, there's rare instances where I would even bring a guy to the big leagues, a, a younger player who was hurt coming back, just let him pitch out the year in, 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 uh, in triple A, send him to instructional league, work with them and get a fresh start next year when they're on the same page as everyone else. They're not going to be on the same page as everyone else this year. So uh, the other arm is uh, Brandon Woodruff, um, who potentially could be back this Sunday against the Pirates. He had two great starts, uh, and then he had a subscapular strain in his right shoulder. Here's my problem with this. Uh, and we talked about this when it happened. Uh, he's been rehabbing for four months. The question is, so the subscapular strain, the scapula is, is that big flat bone in the back there, and there's a lot of uh, arm muscles that that – are involved in the throwing for things like that to happen. There's a pre-existing condition somewhere else. For the most part, you have instability in your shoulder uh, or something else wrong. So I get that he's rehabbed for four months. That right there should scare the hell out of you. But was the pre-existing condition fixed? I'm going to assume it was because sports medicine is so much more advanced than it has been. He made his third rehab start on Tuesday through 72 pitches. The brewers need him. He's a Cy Young guy when he's healthy. Um, and they made some moves to make you think that they believe they're in it. And with Craig Council managing, I, I do believe that. Um, I think he's probably – I have a very personal affinity for guys that I played with, played against, played for. Buck, Aaron Boone, Bob Melvin, uh, Craig Council, guys who I know, they're not the problem. Um, so it would be interesting to see how that plays out. But um, I was trying to look at and, – and it's one of the things, John, that I've always had problems with is, is I don't like to use other people's minor league prospect rankings. Uh, but in lieu of not being able to see them myself, I have to because I think half of them are full of crap. And I always go back and look at what they said about this guy last year. And, and half the time, those guys aren't even on the list of these experts. Um, anybody can tell you that Ken Griffey Jr. and A-Rod are going to be top prospects, that Mike Trout's going to be a great player. But it's finding the other guy. It's fine, and that's the other guy is is that player to be named later. That it, this is when you'll see, you'll look back ten years from now or five years from now, and you'll see a player who was traded at this deadline, who makes the trade look horribly lopsided. It might be Acuna Junior's brother, but there are a lot of a lot of uh, prospects that went, and not surprisingly, the Cardinals uh, got good prospects. The Cardinals are just a well-run organization; they always have been. Um, and there's opinions out there that the Mets and White Sox all got good prospects as well. I mean, it doesn't help the Mets fans because they're, well, they're Mets fans. Man. And they were let down this year again. The question becomes they have they need two starting pitchers now next year. Uh, I personally believe that the 70 to 80 million in payroll they just cleaned off is 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 what they're going to give to Shohei Otani. And that's where he's going to be next year. Wow. Yeah. Uh, because... It has all the earmarks of a Mets move. Well, the they, goal is always to compete with the Yankees. And yeah, the, that's your well, right. You're not competing with the NL East when the no. season starts. You're competing with the Yankees. Well, and Mr. Cohen has told you, listen, and he, I played for an owner named Jerry Colangelo when I was in Arizona. And it was the, he was the, one of the greatest human. He's still a dear friend, one of the greatest human beings I've ever met. And he told me what I dreamed of every owner telling me. He said, listen, I got no problem paying you $10, 15000000 million a year. I got no problem with a $100 million payroll. 
you better win, period. Win the World Series, not win games, win the World Series. I love that. And I think Steve Cohen basically told the fans in New York, I'm going to spend to win a World Series. But he also learned that uh, on paper, rosters have no bearing on wins and losses for the most part. Um, I don't think it's even remotely on Buck. The players underperformed. They underperformed. There was injuries and all the things go with that, but they underperformed. And they are where they are because the players didn't play. I think Otani, the Mets moved to the front line for me. Um, Unless he's got an agenda, unless he wants to be in L.A. and he wants to be a movie star or he wants to be in Seattle because of Ichiro, because there's a lot of reverence for Ichiro uh, in the Far East. The Mets are players now, big time players for Otani, in my opinion. Um, You still still think we talked about this a couple episodes ago about Otani essentially calling out the Angels through his interpreter, which is a rare thing that you see. Very rare for very rare for an Asian player. Yeah. Do you create news that has something to do with other than him? Do you think that still is something or has that come? I don't don't, know. I don't think he'll sign back there. Yeah. Again, it gets back to the Eduardo. I don't know personally how he is. Does he love it there? Does he love living there? Um, You know, does he like paying California taxes? Because for an, an annual average value contract of $50 million a year, you're probably going to lose what five, six, 10 million yeah. annually on taxes. Is that a big deal? Does it matter when you sign for half a billion? I don't know. But, but if winning is his number one priority, he won't resign there. He'll sign with the Yankees. He'll sign with the Dodgers. He'll sign with the Braves. He'll sign with the team who uh, the Rangers or, or the, the Astros. He'll sign with the team that, Barring some miracle, they'll be playing meaningful games in September. And you have, you that's the one time you have control of that. Because somebody, if they're going to invest that, some he's going to get a two-year, $150 million deal. Or he's going to get a 10-year, $600 million deal. Somebody will go out and pay big time on the short term for a year or two. Absolutely. I think he'll look for that long term. Even though we to this date, there's never been a contract like that that's ever worked out. You, I'll give you if I gave you a hundred million dollars and said you can go back in the last fifty years and sign anybody. There's about less than five players you could sign that would be worth it. Yeah, because it just doesn't. The game is hard and the schedule is hard and physically, you know, he's a different animal. So I'm not. There's nothing to compare him to. But a ten year contract for a guy who's going to pitch and hit, what does that look like? No, it was an interesting deadline, and the and I do like uh, the game. Uh, I think it, who was it? Uh, the Cubs picked up um, uh, Candelario. I think he homered the first game he was in Chicago. Um, those are always fun events and inc- to run into. But you'll see if you want to see postseason makeup, look at the guys you traded, and and look at their performance because this is the playoffs for some of them. They're trying Scherzer and Verlander. Both Verlander's been dealing lately, but Scherzer's got something to prove. Anytime you put a guy back against the wall who's got three Cy Young awards, uh, I tend to think that it, it's going to come out okay for the team. So, anything else, John? You got anything? You're good. So, just looking ahead, I mean, it's still the Braves and then everybody else for you. In the national, yes, I think the Braves are a class above. Yeah. Uh, in the American League, I need a couple weeks. Yeah. Uh, I think I want to see how the Astros and Rangers, because you could have uh, uh, Scherzer and, and Verlander going at it and kicking their teams up a notch. Really want to see how the Orioles head into September because I'm rooting 
for that, not only because my wife put a hundred dollar futures bet on it, but because That's what I keep thinking every single time you bring up the Orioles, this is all self-driven yep. by you. Yep. And then, uh, but, but the city deserves it after what Mr. Angeles did to that team in that city for the last 15, 20 years, they deserve it. He ruined that franchise. He should not even be allowed around that team, but they deserve it. And I want to see them do well. So, but that East is going to be fun. It's going to be competitive. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to go to the wire. And that's the thing. The expanded playoff race is going to push the season to the, to the final day, I think. And that's a good thing. Anyway, uh, outkick.com guys, you can go on the website, look in the upper right-hand corner. You'll see shows. Uh, we actually had a nice little piece uh, from the other a soundbite from the other day on the front page. Uh, click on shows. You'll find uh, Tommy Laren, Clay Travis, this baseball show on the shows page. Anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, you can uh, you can check it out. Uh, and we're going to have John, you have a great weekend. I'll catch up with you on Tuesday, bud.